I'm Gab, he's Jules. Blue skies over West London. Not really, though, Not because really. Chelsea have a bit of a stinker at the weekend. We're going to get into that. Real Madrid also held. Carletto Ancelotti not happy. Not Union happy. Berlin still top of the table wow. in Germany. In the most dramatic circumstances. How does that happen? Uh, Liverpool, again, more difficult. We're going to get into all that, but I feel that you've been wanting to talk about my man. Yeah. Roberto de Zerbi in Brighton Definitely. for a while. And this was weird. Graham Potter... Going back to the Amex, yeah. he actually got booed by a portion of the yeah, crowd no. at one point, which I think could have And booed loudly as well. Um, we'll get into that. But let's talk about Chelsea, because this was a spit show, as the kids say. Yeah? Completely, yeah. And the narrative before was very much Potter still unbeaten since he joined the club in nine games in all competitions. Yeah, so that narrative, and I mentioned this on, on Thursday as well, we can, you know, like, like the, the club tweeted out, like WWW. Yeah, all the dubs. Yeah, you haven't played anybody in that period other than Milan and Manchester United. Yeah. Sure. And you destroyed Milan and you drew with Manchester yeah, United. With, ten, right? with 11 men against 10 for most of it against Milan in the second game. But yeah. yeah. But there was that. There was the Trevor Shaloba start, which is an incredible start. Every time he started in 29 games, he never lost. The fact that Potter was going back to Brighton, this is a team that he knows by heart. This is his team. He built it. Basically, Chelsea fans think, like, we can't lose this game. It's not possible. And then they get a shocker. I think the team selection was wrong. And we said it a bit on Thursday, but... I don't want to see Christian Pulisic and Raheem Sterling as wing-backs. I don't think he works, and I don't think he suits them, and I think he's counterproductive. It was only I, the second game that, that we've seen it, right? Yeah. They, they, they did it in midweek, and it was kind of... Mm. Yeah, it was a bit meh. I just, I just don't... I, I know you can maybe more ex- experiment when you are a club like Brighton, maybe, than Chelsea, and maybe he doesn't really realise it yet. But I saw that lineup and I was like, I don't like this. I don't think this is a good team. And I think there's a potential there that you could be spanked. I still think that the, start, the, the way they started the game was completely wrong. And that's not just on Potters. But the team selection for me was already the mistake. Strike. We saw some defensive errors too Massively, in that yeah. back three. Was that down to the wing backs or is it down to individuals? Well, I th- well, the thing with the wing backs that I don't understand, I-, I know what they can bring you going forward, of course, Sterling and Pulisic. Right. But your wing backs are also, even if you don't look about the defensive side of the game, but your wing backs are a key, a key part of your build up structure, right? Yeah. Because with the back five, they can help you so much, and there's patterns of play where your wing backs help you to just the, the dialogue escape the with pressure the from the other team. Exactly, exactly yeah. all of that. But in that case, they can't do that. This is not what they do. They, they're not used to it. They don't know. They've never played that position before, apart from the Salzburg game. So this is not, you know, this is not what they do. So I was, like, very surprised. And I think, again, completely counterproductive. In a game like this, away at Brighton, when you know Brighton are going to press you high, and, and basically you played into Brighton's hand, it felt. Kepa's injury is obviously not why they lost, but that is another thing yeah. uh, that happened. In fact, Mendy actually made a couple big saves. Yeah, he did, yeah. Uh, at the end, it, to me, it generally feels like there's sort of an air of everything up in the air, right? Um, th- there's an air of Potter comes in and mm-hmm. he needs to kind of rebuild the team from the ground up, which is why when all those people said, oh, look, but oh no, they always wanted Potter. Potter's a natural evolution on Tuchel. He already has these great players and he's building on what? No, it. Yeah, Tuchel and Potter, they're more similar than yeah. Potter and Simeone. But the concepts are actually, many of the concepts, I think, are very, very different. Mm, okay. And it's not just, but you, know, the, you know that line when, I think it was uh, uh, when they had a game here, when 
Potter was was at, you know Thomas Frank asked Potter, "Oh, why yeah. do you change your team so much?" And he says, "Well, our concepts are all the same, but we need to find the right mix to apply them." I think that's the correct approach. I think that's genuinely how Potter views um, football. It's it's about concepts more than formation and personnel. But you still need to get the formation and the personnel right. Yeah, I agree. He just hasn't had time to do that. No, maybe not. But I'm I'm still very skeptical about the Pulisic Sterling idea. As them as wing backs, I just don't know when he plans his game plan and plan the game and the structure and put his team on paper with his assistants and go like, okay, this is going to work great. I just don't. And Pulisic had a chance; he could have scored in the first half. But for Sterling, Sterling especially, Pulisic played a little bit, if you remember, with Tuchel in that kind of position. For Sterling, for me, it's just a, it's a no-go straight away. All right, let's talk about Brighton and the Zadby, because obviously this was his first win. They had some good yeah. performances. I think they had a game against Forest where they absolutely mullered them but couldn't score. Yeah. Um, does this feel different than Potter? He did. I think he did in a way, the way Estupinan and Gross were were played and used by the Zerbi, but I think the press I think the press is a bit more aggressive. There's that obviously boxing midfield which he's done everywhere he's been. Uh, which works really well when you've got Caicedo in midfield who I think is a wonderful player. So yeah, I think he deserves a lot of credit for the way he he played that game. You must have been happy for the Zerbi and you know his little celebrations and his big smile and everything. Uh, yeah, well the Zerbi's reached this Stage, I think, especially domestically in Italy, where it's weird. He's seen as because he got so much good press for what he did in Sassuolo, right? Yeah. And then, you know, people don't believe this because people think time never changes anywhere and people will stay the same forever. But, you know, even when Sassuolo were kind of up and down and stuff, there was a sense he got a ton of praise from people like, oh, look, that'd be so good. And then you had the backlash from people say like, well, why is he so good if the swallow are 10th or whatever in the table, yeah. right? Um, and then, you know, he'd been linked with a couple bigger teams in Italy and then it didn't happen. And some people, there's a lot of the be loyalists out there who came out and said, well, you know, he missed out on these big jobs in Italy because... People are still too conservative, they don't trust, and the Zerbi's team, like, learn. And so then people started making fun of them. People said, oh, look, you know, it's almost like the, um, people came out and said, oh, well, the Zerbi never loses, he either wins or he learns, ha, 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 yeah, like, you yeah, know, stupid yeah. things like that, right? Yeah. And then obviously he goes to, 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 to Shakhtar and, you know, achieves what he achieved there with, with the ups and downs and yeah. putting himself way out of his comfort zone. Um, so I'm kind of happy that, this stuff is working not just in Italy. And I do think it's working. And I do think, as you know, that there is a reason most top teams in Europe play proactive yeah. football. It doesn't mean you have to pass it around, whichever way you're going to do it, whether you're going to press high, whether you're going to go through possession. But um, and he brings some really interesting things. I mean, the, the, like you said, the, 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 the box the and box. midfield and whatever. It's, it, it's different. Um, so, yeah, I was... I was happy. Those are big shoes to fill mm. um, with Graham Potter because, remember, it's not just Graham Potter. It's the whole sort of, you know, he had his guy who, who went with him. Yeah, it was yeah. also like, you know, Brighton lost Dan Ashworth, obviously, yeah. but this was before. But, you know, it's Close hard for team. Yeah. You know, the thing about Brighton is we've all praised them for their signings year after year. And like, although they had value signings and whatever, but there's not a lot of money there. They don't pay a lot of money. They don't have a big wage bill. No. And when you have a more limited wage bill, you know, you can look for the value signings. If you're value signing, 
you know, doesn't work out. I remember, yeah. Do you remember Niskin's Cabano? Yeah, of course. I feel him. Yeah, Paris so, Born and Bred. Okay, well, Paris Born and Bred, great name. Yeah. But, you know, when this guy was like 19, people were thinking, oh, next oh, big yeah. thing, value signing, like all these analytics I saw him breaking through in Paris, and we thought. And then obviously his career stalled. Yeah. Right? He did not become, you know, whatever. Uh, and now he's, he's getting back on track or whatever. Yeah. You know, Brighton, teams like Brighton, like Brentford, who operate in that sphere, are going to have a lot of signings like that, yeah. where, yeah, the upside's there, he's promising, but maybe it just doesn't happen, you know? So I think he's winning people over with the way he, with the way he plays and the way he operates. And uh, I, I think, you know, in terms of individuals... I know Trossard somehow keeps gets his goals all the time. Yeah, I think I said he was good. a great player. Yeah, I think defensively with um, with with some of the defenders he he inherited, there is still a solid base, and you know. But ultimately, you know, the talent level at Brighton is what it is, and it worked under Potter and did Zerbius to make it work for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was I was glad to see Mitoma started, for example, because I think he's got really great potential. Um, Trossard I'm a big fan I have to say and the fact that he keeps scoring against the big teams even if you, can, you lose at City but he's still there he scores goals uh, the hat-trick obviously at Liverpool but now everybody can score against Liverpool so that isn't, maybe doesn't mean as much but I just think that now what I want to see from the Zerbi is I want those players to, to keep improving individually I think Potter improved them and I think we've said many mm. times you judge a manager by the trophies that he wins, of course, and I guess the style of football that he plays, but also how much he improves his players individually. Yeah, and I, and I would add, I'm, judge him relative to the resources that he has, right? Yeah, completely. Uh, it's not just about winning trophies. It is, what is your starting point? Yeah. I think he was helped, too, by the fact that Brighton, look, it's not like Brighton are the kind of club that are going to panic, but they already, he already had a nice cushion because of where, True. Of, where of how Potter started the season. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Um, Asking about Potter, uh, we touched upon this before. Those boos, that was he amazing. looked. He looked. He looked a little bit upset. Yeah, completely. And he crossed after the game when we asked him the question, saying like, "What did you make of that?" He said, "Well, I don't have to apologize. I don't have to say sorry for anything I did." No. You know, I, I took this team where it was, and basically saying like, you know, I, I built this team, and I felt like you know it was it was right for me to leave for Chelsea at the offer. I think he wanted. You can't begrudge them for. Wanted to go to Chelsea even if he was in what, September or wherever he was. I don't think, I, th- I guess the fans booed him because they felt he let them down or he abandoned them or something, but that's not the way you should see it. Well, didn't, there wasn't a compensation package in excess yeah, of 50 big million pounds? Well. Like, not quite yeah. Nagelsmann, but like. But not far from it. You know, <laughs> not far from it. He's been there, he's done his time. Yeah, I. I felt Potter. Sorry for Potter. I mean, if he'd gone to Crystal Palace, they would have like they wouldn't have booed him. They would have thrown. But that's a direct rival. Yeah, no, obviously. Yeah, but you know what I mean. It's, it's Chelsea. It's, a, it's an upgrade for him. Um, all right, on to the work that Potter's doing. I, I, I made the point that it takes time. That he's different from Tuchel. I also think that this team is just poorly constructed in the summer. Poor use of resources. Yeah. And I've had this conversation with, with Chelsea fans on social media like, oh, but what are you talking about? Kukurea is great. Manchester City wanted him. It doesn't make him a great player at that number. Yeah. Fofana, right? I remember the first season when we were doing the show here. You're like, oh, Fofana, 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 right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Then the guy gets injured. Okay, he doesn't right. play for like a year and a bit. It doesn't mean you're going to go and, you know, the, the amount they paid for him. 
is the amount that you would have paid for Fofana if he'd been playing great this whole time and fulfilled his potential. Then it would have been a fair price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They with all those for both of them. Yeah, for sure. And of course, he's injured again. Yeah. Right? Koulibaly with a year left on his contract. I mean, you're going to push the boat out and chuck that kind of money around. Sterling also with a year left on yeah. his contract, I might add. When you, f- when you feel that you're one or two pieces away, right? Then, then I can, can go a little mad and say, this is going to put me over the top and win the title. I'm guessing that's how Tuchel felt about Chelsea when they were there. He says, I've won the Champions League. Now I need to close the gap on the top. So let me get these kind of signings. I don't care if we lose a lot of money because it'll come back because we're going to win something important. Mm-hmm. But that's not where Bowley was at. No, and, Once I think- he, and I don't think that's where Bowley thinks he's at now, given he had to get rid of everybody and bring in a whole new bunch of, of technical directors yeah. and recruitment guys, right? Which, by the way, most of them, I think, well... Um, they might think exactly like you. I don't think this was a good transfer window, summer transfer window. I think we need to correct it in January. And then what do you do? You're still left with all the signing that you made in the summer that now this new sort of tactical director team are not keen on. Maybe Potter are not keen on them either. You know, maybe he wants, I don't know, younger players than Koulibaly. I think Koulibaly was a great signing to make. And I still hope that he will, he will show it. But maybe put the things like, you know, I would rather a bunch of 25-year-old people who know already the Premier League than Koulibaly. I don't know. So they might, what, they go on in January and spend another $150 million to correct what yeah. they thought was wrong in the summer? I, I don't think Potter necessarily works like that or, or things like that because he's a company who's used to, you know, he doesn't yeah, get his pay at the movement. supermarket, yeah, yeah. right? Um, that said, this defence with Fofana and Koulibaly out, you know my thoughts on, on Kukure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Rich James Hart as well. No, but no, yeah, and Rich James if you're including the wing backs. But I'm yeah, talking yeah, about sort of the, the, the tight back three, right? You made the point earlier off air that Thiago Silva is playing too much. I think and so. And it feels like he has started, I, I don't know the last time he got a break was. You know. Yeah, I think he did before the United game uh, in midweek. But I, yeah, I looked at him on Saturday and thought like, he doesn't look as sharp as he should look right now. And at his age, that I, I fear that he's, played, he's overplayed him. But maybe you have to play him because you've got... Fofana Koulibalia. Fofana Koulibalia. Even I mean, maybe Rich James that you can use in, a, in the centre-back position. You could have, put a, you could have played Espilicueta in the back three. Yeah, but true. Then, I mean, and then Espilicueta, Chaloba, Kukurea, back three. Yeah. Is that yeah. where we are now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I mean. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you surprised Chile's out? I'm surprised this the, takes us back to the wing backs and we go back to Sterling Pulisic nonsense for me but again maybe maybe he will keep with Pulisic and Sterling and it will work out maybe he just did it to find the right formula like you, we've explained before and he's seeing now that it's not the right formula I just don't know why unless there's something that we don't know about his fitness Chilwell's fitness or he did something wrong at training or I don't know he didn't put his tray back at the canteen but <laughs> It makes no sense for me that you don't play him more and that you don't play him in a game like that when you knew the opposition would be up for it, that you knew that you would be really at your best to beat this Brighton team. And, and I think, again, you picked your team wrong. And he came on after an hour, I think, for Cucurella, who was not good again. Let's not forget that this Cucurella that started was the one that he took off after 35 minutes yeah. of the previous game. So again, what kind of message you send to your team if you still start the guy that you took off after half an hour the game before because he was dreadful? 
I, I almost feel like this is one of those situations where, you know, if this is Pep Guardiola does it, he's like, oh, he's overthinking, right? Yeah, Which part are we give him? I don't have a problem. And you know my thoughts on this. I don't have a mm. problem with the manager overthinking. No, 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 me neither. But it really does feel like he is, he's, he's going by a trial and error to find what he wants. Not because he's a bad manager, but because he just doesn't have the time to yeah, go maybe that's what he has and, to do. and, and work on this. Right. Now, that said, I know you love criticizing managers for when they make substitutions. <laughs> I'm a bit surprised you're 3-1 down yeah. and you wait an hour to make your first... Well, obviously, he did, he did kept up for Mendy at halftime. That surprised me, same way it surprised me that he brought you know, another striker on, Broja, with, with 10 minutes to go. Why not sooner? Yeah, why I why don't not know. mix things up a little? Yeah, no, I don't know. He, he said that he felt the second half was better anyway, which I'm not sure. Um, I, I would have changed a lot of things at halftime, to be fair. Not just the keeper that you had to change because Kepa was injured anyway. But I would have changed a lot of what we saw from the first half that was, OK, you scored two own goals, but I thought there was a lot of negative in that first half. But to then bring on Aubameyang for Sterling after an hour and Chilwell for Kukurel after an hour and then wait until the 80th minute. So it's another 20 minutes. To bring on Broja and I can't remember who the, the fourth substitute. Ziyech. Ziyech, that's it. I, I was really surprised, I have to say. Really, really surprised. Were you a bit surprised too that in a game like this, so I'm, I'm guessing he feels, okay, in terms of central midfield, if I'm going to have Sterling and, um, no, I'm going to have sort of my box, right, with, with Mount and Gallagher forward. We can debate Gallagher another day. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and Loftus-Cheek, and you know, two guys behind. Yeah. I can't have Jorginho be one of those two guys if I have the attacking wing-backs um, in Sterling and Pulisic. Loftus-Cheek is a big fella. Yeah, Kovacic, you know, I don't really have a defensive specialist other yeah, than yeah. Dennis Zakaria, but this poor man I don't think will ever play. <laughs> I because, mean, come on. You know, I, that's a whole other issue. Um, at some point, though, when you're 3-1 down... Why not get somebody who can pass? I'm not saying Kovacic and Loftus Cheek can't pass, no, no, but, no, no, but Loftus Cheek still. People complain that Jorginho seems slow and weak, and Loftus Cheek, he's, when he's in that deeper position and he's spreading the ball around, he looks ponderous and predictable. Yeah, I mean Loftus Cheek is more effective, I think, driving. Yeah, yeah. Kovacic we know is more effective when he's driving. Yeah, definitely. Um, it seemed it seemed odd that one way once you've tried that and it hasn't worked. And by the way, there's nobody in your back three who can really pass other than Thiago Silva. Mm. Um, wouldn't that be a Jorginho situation? Yeah, I thought, like you're keeping him fresh for your relevant Champions League game, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I thought against the Brighton press because we knew exactly and the first goal comes on them recovering the ball super high and Chelsea making a mistake in, in the build-up play because they were never going to play right. long all game. I thought Jorginho would have been very, very useful in that. Uh, and to... Not picking for this game and going for guys who, yeah, at times can be press resistant, but not in the way that you need your central midfielder to be for this game, I thought was, again, maybe a mistake. And you said, we know they're not going to go high, they're not going to go long. And go back to this. If you do play Pulisic and Sterling, and even people who don't like them will admit you, both these guys are very, very fast. Yeah. Why not mix it up? With yeah, a longer yeah, yeah. pass, right? Especially when you have Kepa back there, who's good with his feet, right? Yeah, no, completely. And, and, and Thiago Silva. I mean, it's not a crime, right? We see, we see the Ederson Sterling yeah, connection, or you know, back when he was at City. And that seemed kind of odd to me as well. It's almost as if 
maybe the players are so preoccupied with incorporating his concepts that maybe they make fewer decisions for themselves. I, I don't know what it is, but no, I don't know. It was a very would have been a very logical change of pace, no? Yeah, I thought so, and um, I think they didn't use enough the 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 width of the pitch to use both Pulisic and Sterling, uh, and. I just think that defensively they were always going to struggle and Pulisic struggled more on his right-hand side, right and left-hand side because his stupid and was always going to attack and it's got more pace than Gross who played on the other right. side. So Sterling, I think, was a bit more okay. But I just don't understand when you know you're going to play against this Brighton side with an Estupinan super attacking or even Sully March on the other side and then you still put Pulisic and Sterling as your wing-backs thinking, what, they're going to defend, really? They're not going to leave, Maybe going to leave space in behind them? I'm guessing maybe the thinking was that they're going to attack so well and they're going to play high up the pitch and, you know, effectively they're going to play on the same line as when you have the ball anyway. Yeah, play on the same side as, 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 as Havertz, actually. Oh, maybe Havertz, yeah. That you're going to pin Estupinan um, and march back. The, the problem is you can pin Estupinan back, but then when you turn the ball over... Stupinan is just going to take off, and all it means like is he all he's, got, he's got more more, meat, more more ground to cover, yeah. which means he's just going to pick up pace. You know that that that's the part which 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 you struggle with. Um, we've talked about. All right, I don't want to go down the bully route, but let's do a little bit because we've talked about in the summer all the recruitment scout people. Everybody leaves. He knows he has to address it. He is addressing it. He's brought people in. He's still. This whole concept of multi-club ownership keeps coming up again. What do you think these guys are doing once they're in place? What are they going to do? What should they do? If you were, if you were addressing them, right? If you were their boss, if you were Todd, yeah. right? You'd be even shorter than you are in real life. Yeah. But if you were Todd, what would you say to them? Say, all right, guys, this is what we need to do in terms of recruitment. And this is what we need to do. And we should start thinking about multi-club ownership, maybe even moving because... I believe in it. Yeah, I mean, I think the Lawrence Stewart appointment, which is what he did at Monaco, uh, is definitely with the mindset of going into multi-club ownership. And I think this is something that Burley really wants. So for me, Stewart, for sure, is going to look after that, plan it, prepare it, and then I think they will go for it as soon as possible. Uh, I, don't know if, I don't know where you go first. If you're Chelsea right now, do you go to Portugal, a bit like PSG and Braga have done? Do you go to Belgium, like... Other clubs have. Do you go to Italy? Do you, I mean, where do you go if if you you're go to twelve different countries like City Football Group? Yeah, no, maybe, but, but you'd have to start somewhere, right? So where what, what is the best league or best you know sort of kind of club to start with? Generally, the reason people go to Portugal and uh, Belgium is very simple: is that it's the easiest place to bring in foreigners. Yeah. Um, just simply with work permits, yeah, not of visas and players and stuff, yeah. stuff like that. Um, Portugal is seen as a natural bridge, obviously, especially for Brazilians coming over because of the language. And I think Belgium is seen, rightly or wrongly, the type of football that's played there in the competition. It's still technical, but it is often more seen as more physical than in other European countries, so perhaps closer to the Premier League. I mean, that's yeah, maybe, generally yeah, yeah, the yeah, thinking maybe. of it. But like, for example, would you buy Vitas Arnhem, who've been your kind of... Do you need to buy mates? them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you already own them kind of thing. But so, I, but I think for me, Leon Stewart, is, that's his job. For the others, what was interesting in the summer, and we talked is all those youngsters that they brought from, you know, Carney to Casadei to all those right. guys. 
do you continue like this? And I think in amongst the guy like Joe Shields that they brought in, there's guys who are very good with the scouting network, with all the contacts to keep down that route. But this is a, if you're a Chelsea football club, you know, this is a, it's not risky. It's not, but it's a big deal. You know, you're a super, you're, you're a yeah. huge club. You need superstars. And maybe the kids are good, but you also need superstars. And I think Joe Shields right now surely would be looking at continuing the path towards those young, super talented European players. So they might go more like that. But Vivel maybe would look at, okay, who can I sign as a big name to strengthen the first team and, stra- and have an impact straight away? Because they and the others not ready to have a huge impact right now in the Champions League for Chelsea in the next six months, for example. I think those are great points. I, it was funny when you mentioned superstars, though, I was thinking like, who are Chelsea's three biggest superstars who are, let's say, under the age of 30 and are going to be part of your future, right? So not Thiago, Koulibaly, yeah. whatever, right? And you want to say Havertz, Mount, and Rhys James? Is that yeah. the three that we come up with? Yeah, probably I would think so. I mean, as a top, those are your top three. When you compare them with City's top three, Sterling maybe Sterling. You will go Sterling Mountain Region. I I I struggle with Sterling. I I don't know. Does Sterling belong in that company? Because I tell you what, Sterling has not been good since moving over. He's been given every chance, every position. Both managers always played him. He's not on that level. I know he scored a bunch of goals at the Euros. Um, he was deemed expendable by Manchester City. I, yeah, he could be there, but I guess what I'm saying is, in in terms of, of core kind of wow factor, superstar, and obviously if Nkunku comes, yeah, maybe it becomes him. But it's it's an odd position kind of to be in. I feel like you have a lot of players who can become better, go to the next level, right? Mm-hmm. And and incidentally, those three guys that we mentioned, how many of them are definite starters at the World Cup? Even yeah. if, if, if Reese James were fully fit, I mean, obviously. yeah, I think Reese James would start. But think. you think? But we don't know because no, it's, yeah, yeah, because he, he, you could be stuck with Kyle Walker again. Right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's none true. of these guys are like kind of like I am the leader of a big. Yeah, I mean, Havertz could start. Great yeah, player. Will start. Havertz was still kind of waiting to go to that level, right? Mount. Yeah, yeah. We don't know, right? No, that's true. Um, that's true. That's true. And and just to finish on Chelsea, Gab, what did you make of? Ekbali's comments, I think it was at the weekend or... He was speaking last week week or Wednesday at uh, the um, Sportico Invest Sports Conference. And I'll just read the quote. I'll let it percolate. He's saying, these Premier League teams generally, in our view, are not well managed. Um, He makes an exception for Liverpool and Manchester City. Again, not hard to say. They've done that with the first or second. Uh, I said... And he says, European football is probably 20 years behind U.S. sports in terms of sophistication on the commercial side and sophistication on the data side. I had one super high-level sporting director at a top three world club tell me when I asked about their approach to data, they said, the data is my eyes. I pick players based on my eyes. He had six scouts and no data. And that would that would be Luis Campos, by the way. Um, <laughs> I'm just guessing. I'm sorry, Luis Campos I don't plenty know what it is he right? Does it? I mean, we we live in London, obviously, but we're big fans of U.S. sports. We've been to sporting events in the U.S. Does it feel like we're twenty years behind in the commercial sophistication on the one hand and the data on the other? No, the commercial. I get his point. I think, and you see, I mean, it's the 
Buffalo Bills have a new stadium coming up in in NFL in the US worth 1.4 billion where you know that everything is also going to make for your fan that goes into right. the stadium to spend his money and to which a football a football stadium right now in the Premier League but everywhere else in Europe you're still behind that's for sure I think the Buffalo terms- Bills are also the team that until a few years ago you know the, 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 they had to play a couple games in Toronto because they <laughs> just their for financial base. reasons because yeah. their fan base doesn't simply doesn't have that much money it's not that big Buffalo's it might not, not the be the best but I, I can right. see his okay. point about commercials and merchandising and all of that maybe for the data I think things, things have changed a long time ago I mean Arsenal yeah. bought Start DNA maybe 15 years ago or yeah. 10 years ago to be a big part of you know what they do for their first team but also in terms of recruitment and database recruitment so i think this is a bit this is a bit harsh i don't i don't know if he knows how every single club in the premier league works but certainly he would know from Graham Potter that Brighton work a lot with data. Oh, I, th- I think he's familiar with what Brighton are now after yeah, the weekend. Exactly, yeah, exactly, after the weekend. And so are Brentford and so are a lot of other clubs. Yeah, of course, you still have old school scouts who are part of your scouting team who still think that going to 300 games a season is better to watch all those players by your own eyes. But you also have a lot of people at those clubs in the Premier League that are heavily data orientated and do a lot of their work with data to sign players. I think this is pretty widely known in the UK, in like in the Premier League. Yeah, and it's not just in the Premier League; it's at yeah, other yeah. clubs um, said in Europe. Yeah, clubs no. um, you know the, the the twenty years behind. I, it's funny because they're different sports, right? If we have Boldly comes from baseball, right? Baseball yeah. is, and in fact, there's several books out uh, now. One from our colleague Ryan O'Hanlon, one from Maurice Smith. We talk about the history of data and analytics in football. Baseball is very, very easy because you have an enormous data set. They play 162 games. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of one-on-one battles. It's very easy it's, to yeah. count, right? It's money board, yeah. But even in the NFL, you know, analytics hasn't made the inroads that it has made in baseball That's true. Um, and in basketball. Football is a more fluid sport. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I completely agree with him. I'm not surprised and <laughs> that there are some sporting directors who take that line. Yeah, for sure. Um, but there's also many others who, who don't, and there's many other clubs who have embraced it. On the commercial side, this is where I struggle a little bit because it, it brings to mind what do I want the sport to be like, right? He mentions, oh, Fenway and Man City have done it successfully. Well, the Glazers are hugely profitable every year, obviously without non-pandemic years, right? For the last 10 years, they've... Um, they've not had a particularly good team, right? No. And yet they still manage to make a lot of money. Mm. There is a rejection, I think, from a lot of fans in Europe about this, what they see as an over-commercialization. Yeah. Um, I don't know to what degree this is necessarily what people want. Um, You know, they've, a lot of European clubs have hired executives, have had, American owners, or they've had um, executives from the U.S. running their clubs um, for a long time. And I think they have a good knowledge of the market and what flies and what doesn't fly over here. So, I don't know. I don't think you win friends and influence people when you come out and say this. I think back to Gary Cook, who obviously wasn't American, was English, but had worked for Nike for a long time. When he came in, Premier League meeting after, you know, say he took over, he says, oh, you know, you guys live in the Stone Age, right? And obviously worked out great for, for, for Gary Cook since then. But yeah. um, 
Yeah, you don't come across very well when you when you say no. stuff like this. You know, not just in terms of annoying other people, but do you really know what you're talking about? I mean, I'd argue Paris Saint-Germain, what they've done, and obviously it's taken enormous amounts of money yeah, to yeah. do it, but it's taken Man City enormous amounts of money to do it as well, right? Yeah. On the commercial side, they've built an incredible brand. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they've built a serious brand. Yeah, yeah. And they could have said, oh, screw the brand. Let me just buy great players and just, you know, not update the Parc de Prince or, or whatever, yeah. right? So there are interesting things happening elsewhere. Real Madrid, you know, is still, I think, one of the, what, two, three biggest club brands in sport? Yeah, all sports combined, yeah. Are, are Real Madrid a bigger brand than the Dallas Cowboys? I hate the Cowboys, so I'm going to say yes, they are. Are they bigger than yeah, Manchester I United? I mean, certainly in the same ballpark, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, completely. I, Barcelona, despite the messing with the levers, were in that space, yeah, right? Yeah, I, yeah. So, I don't know. Um, I, I think you're playing a dangerous game when you come in and say, like, oh, let me teach you guys. Hey, look, maybe you'll win. Maybe you'll win this battle, this commercial battle. Maybe you won't. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com gab. Just go to Indeed.com gab. Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, enough Chelsea. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gab. Real Madrid are held at home by Girona 1-1, but Jules, our boy Carletto, isn't happy with a penalty equalizer. Oh, and Tony Kroos gets his first <laughs> red of his career after 740 games. Yeah, that's true. First, first red card in two yellows, by the way, so it doesn't really count as, no. as much as a straight red, but still, first time ever for him. Um, they look tired, Real Madrid, and Carleto said it at the end. He said, we played too many games. No Benzema, of course, who uh, still not fully fit, not completely confident in playing. The penalty is, is just a, an invention, like, like Ancelotti said after the game. You, do, you don't think the ball comes off Asensio's chest and onto his arm? Definitely. I don't think he touches his arm, the arm. And clearly they've seen that he touched the arm. But I even didn't think after touching his chest that he, would have, he should have been given had he touched the arm anyway. But for me, it doesn't touch the arm at any point. It's weird. You really can't definitively say, no. I thought, from the pictures. So then, so why you give can't the give it. But there's even the Rodrigo goal that was disallowed. I mean, there's, there's, there oh, was I don't a have a problem things. with that. The, no, 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 hand, the keeper's hand is on the ball, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, no, I get that. But still, I, but, think, I think for a game that they could have won, uh, maybe should have won, but they were not playing well. And I no. think the fitness is maybe a bit of a concern. And I think Ancelotti... I like to give him credit, and you know I love yeah, to give of him credit. Is he said, "Look, 
it shouldn't have been a penalty. We should have won the game. But we played badly. Yeah, we played true. badly. Exactly. You know, simple as. Yeah. Napoli destroys Sassuolo 4 in and the stars shine bright with Victor Oziman getting a hat-trick and, v- and Visha Carvascalia scoring two. Gav, you got anything to add to that? Of course. The best is yet to come. Uh, the man is a machine. He's the top. He's missed a month of the season. He's the top goal scorer in Serie A. And by the way, I know we make fun of Serie A, <laughs> but we do have some pretty good strikers in Serie A, right? Dusan do. Vlaovic, Rafael Leao, and so on. No, it's Victor Osimhen. I, I saw the one where he stat. lifts his foot. Uh, like, <laughs> how so, like somebody? How does he do that? Um, this was good. I think if I'm Napoli, I, I, I'm sorry, sorry, Anfield. I send out the C you, team. But they Anfield. will surely. What? They will. No Vasquezia. No Oziman. They sure, They can't play like. And that. they have they so much depth. That exactly. I want to see Gaetano. I want to see all these dudes Completely. play. Um, yeah. No. Sassuolo made defensive errors and Napoli punished them. I don't think they were devastating. By the way, there's a crazy stat that Napoli have scored something like 50 goals in the games in which Osimhen has started this season, and it's not many games. It's, it's, it's something, something mad like that. Crazy. Liverpool endure their first home defeat in the league, and Leeds United win 2-1. Jules, Liverpool are ninth, and it's still just two league wins since August. Yeah, and, and one really late against Newcastle, remember, in garbage time. Uh, and the other one two weeks ago against City, where you thought, OK, this is it, they've turned a corner now, they're going to go back to their best. And then, and then it was followed by nothing, really. And every time, even in the Champions League, when you see them a little bit better and Klopp is still searching, we mentioned the, the uh, diamond midfield and, and Nunes and Salah up front, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, you go back and you crash down because you make mistakes, because of lack of effort. I mean, Leeds ran 11k more as a team than, Liverpool, than the Liverpool did. But you know even, that's what Leeds do. But right? even with 65% of the ball, if you're Liverpool, yeah. this is not good enough anyway. You just, you just have to accept this is a different Liverpool team to one just played before. No, it has to be in terms Liverpool of their team. approach, and he hasn't found the balance yet. Yeah. Late, late winner for Tottenham Hotspur away to Bournemouth as Rodrigo Bentoncourt come off, comes off the bench to cap a 3-2 win for Antonio Conte's men after being 2-0 down in the game. Gab, does this mean everything is going to be okay? Every little thing. No. Uh, no. Definitely no, not. I don't think Conte's happy. I, 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 I think he said what he said after the game because that's how he rules. But, you know, he was hoping. He's like, okay, look, you know, we're playing Bournemouth. Not a big deal. Let me play skip. Let me give some guys a breather. Perisic was on the bench. Yeah. Bentancourt, Lucas Mora, who all of a sudden becomes important because they're not good in the three-five-two. And again, you know, you see a stinker. Now, were they yeah, much really better bad. in the second half? Yeah. They took a lot of shots. They scored three goals. Lose of crosses. But it was also a lot of low percentage shots. Yeah. It's not where he wants to be. That said, you can do this. You can play like this. You don't necessarily have to do the thing where you're solid all the time and then you wait for, for Kane and Son to do something at the other end. I, I, I would like to see You won't more. always win in the 90th minute, though. No, that's fine. But if they play the second 45 minutes, they wait for 90 minutes... They would have. Yeah, I think they but would there's have won a reason the why they can't do that. It's not the first time. Um, but it can't just be physicality. I, I think it's also the approach. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Conte has to work to. This team needs greater consistency. Arsenal stay top of the league, beating Nottingham Forest five 0 Leapfrogging City who'd won the day before. Jules, this was a perfect response yeah. to that City win 24 hours earlier. Yeah, it was, and to the PSV defeat, and maybe to the Southampton draw as well, because the last two games had been a bit. 
Meh for Arsenal, but average, let's say, even if they lost Bukayo Saka through the first half, they were, they were very good. I mean, Forest were poor, really poor, but I think Arsenal made them look so poor. They played well, great positional play, all of that. The efficiency that maybe had been lacking before was there suddenly at the start of the second half when they had, you know, they had chances and they took them with Reese Nelson, the most unlikely like, hero <laughs> of the game. But it's good, it's good for them, good for, for the win. Now they can... Top their group in Europa League on Thursday against Zurich and then the big game, of course, next weekend against Chelsea on Sunday, which is going to be a much, much bigger and tougher test than the one from Forest. And another long-range strike from Thomas Partey. Yeah, what a goal that was. And another game without scoring for Gabriel Jesus, but we won't go there. No two assists, two assists, though, two assists. Hey, Kevin De Bruyne, masterpiece free kick gives Manchester City the win away to Leicester. Gab, it feels different, though, without Erling Haaland. Yeah, so the worst thing you can do, I think, right now is to come out and say, oh, City are Holland-dependent. No, City are not Holland-dependent. No. I thought this game was simply a case of Leicester parking several buses from yeah. the Leicester Metropolitan Authority in front of the goal. City maybe being a little bit less sharp. I don't think Julian Alvarez, who started up front, uh, had a great game. And so eventually they needed to beat you with this ridiculous De Bruyne free kick. But was they great. did create other chances. Yeah. Although... At the end, the last 15, 20 minutes, Brendan Rodgers, you know, sent on uh, um, Daka and Iannaccio, and he did think, make things but definitely You do wonder why he didn't do it earlier. I mean, if you because lose... Because he probably didn't lose want to lose 3-0. Well, really, <laughs> losing, you know, I don't know. At least give yourself a chance. Paris Saint-Germain beat 3-4-3 to stay top. Yes, the M&M serve up plenty of excitement, but... Conceding three goals at home isn't part of the plan, is it? No, it could have been more than three as well, because to be fair, Troyes played really well on the counter, cut them apart a few times, scored after two minutes or three minutes. Uh, yeah. And it was just a game where I think the PSG defense didn't want to defend, the PSG team as a, as a whole. Yeah, sorry, shouldn't somebody like Kimpembe want to defend, given he's wearing the captain's armband and given yeah, he was his back from spot injury, at the World though. Cup isn't assured? I'm no, assuming but he was 11. back from injury and maybe he was not sharp enough fully fit Sergio Ramos next to him didn't have a good game <laughs> either in that back Sergio four Ramos. and Mukiele at right back who again I don't think he's his best position certainly, in the back, certainly not in the back four but then every time they had the ball and going forward even against a team that defended deep with the 5-4-1 formation I mean Messi is just something and I know this is only Juan no one is getting carried away in France but you just have to say that pretty much everything he does is perfect so whether you play against Trois or Maccabi or Juventus or whoever you want if you still do everything so perfectly it's just incredible I'm just making a note and then say something nice about Cristiano when we talk about United later so that we can balance out and not be accused of having an agenda but still well done to Messi Neymar with an outrageous pass okay enough PSG no but that pass had to be mentioned on our show oh and Totally unnecessary. This is the thing I think we're talking about. Sorry, I'm going to digress now. Okay, go on. When, that's, when you do stuff like that, the little roulette pass, yeah, right? Yeah. If it doesn't serve a purpose, people get angry, you're humiliating your opponent. This served a purpose. Oh, this is good. This is prime this Neymar. Is this and I wish Mbappé had scored so he would stay in the history <laughs> know, and the exactly. numbers. One assist. Like Instead, he'll be forgotten. Yeah, exactly. Barcelona get a late, late winner from Robert Lewandowski to be Valencia away 1-0 and move within a single point of Real Madrid. Gab, Chavi got the reaction that he wanted, right? I thought so. Look, I mean, you can read this and say, ah, oh, Reno Gattuso, oh, look, it was tight, and obviously there were disallowed goals and whatever. But 
Valencia's XG at the end of the game was 0.1. I do admit the handball on the disallowed goal um, was a little bit hokey. I don't know. I agree. Then again, if you shove your arm out like that, like you're almost looking for the ball, like you're kind of an idiot. And, you know, (laughs) you kind of deserve it. There's no reason to do it. Just let the ball run. That's true. It's still going to hit him, right? Um, But no, I thought Barcelona played well, actually. I thought Ansu Fati started on the left. Yeah. Yes. Finally. He missed chances, but he also made those chances himself. Yeah, yeah. And let's not forget that, you know, they lost both center backs as well in this game, during the game, yeah. right? Um, you ended the game again with Marcos Alonso at center back, which I think is suboptimal. So I wouldn't be like, oh, lucky Barcelona. No, no. This was a deserved no, I'm win. I'm with you. Sorry, Bino. Six different goals, six different wow. goal scores for Bayern as they destroy mine 6 2. Jules, they're on fire. Yeah. And even with Eric Maxam Choupo-Motang up front, who scored again? He scored again, you're right. I mean, he's 6 in 5 now or 7 in 6, something like that crazy. Sadio Mane, Matistel who came on, even the subs who came on. So Tell, Kingsley Coman gave an assist. It was just, it was just great. You thought maybe they could be tired after. After the, the midweek and playing every three days now, like all the, the other big teams. But no, they seem a bit fresher, to be fair, than others. And suddenly the rhythm they have. And Nagelsmann sort of highlighted after the game, Mane and his position on the left, like at Liverpool. And I mean, it was a no-brainer. I know he tried to play more centrally at the beginning. But now to have Trupo there and Mane more in, in his so familiar best position environment is obviously... Much better. It's no but brain, can you shoehorn? All right, so we know Ulrich's going to come in, no problem. Oh, sorry, yeah. he's going to make way for Neuer. Ulrich, by the way, who saved the penalty, it wasn't good. Yeah, yeah. But what happens when Muller and Sane need to start? Yeah, we see. But it's, it's working well like this. So, Marcus Rashford scores the 100th goal of his Manchester United career, and Cristiano Ronaldo stars again in the Premier League as they beat West Ham 1 0. Gab, De Gea still had to make two huge saves at the end. To keep the one nil win for United, were they a little bit lucky? No, they weren't a little bit lucky. They were very lucky. Very um, lucky. This game should have ended in a draw. I thought at the end, West Ham put them under way too yeah, much pressure. Yeah. You shouldn't have to rely on David De Gea in that situation. Now, mitigating factors, obviously, no Martial and Elanga and blah, blah, blah. And Harry Maguire starts the game. No, yeah, no Lindelof, no um, But... You know, this is something where you're just happy at three points and happy you don't see West Ham again for a while. Yeah, yeah. Sticking with United, this was back back on Thursday, but I feel like I need to get your thoughts yeah. on Anthony Spin against Sheriff Tearsport yeah. because that upset a lot of people. It did, and I think he a upset pros. Eric Ten Hag as well because he benched him for the West Ham game after taking him off at halftime in the, uh, the Sheriff game. Just don't spin again, please. I mean, I'm all for takers, you know that. I'm all, even the ones that... Are, not really needed, and I like the spin, but don't don't do it like this and then okay. put the ball out yeah. for. So a first kick. of all, like it's just if you're gonna do it, do something cool. This isn't cool. Like it's just you on your own. Then I'm assuming looks, a 12 year old kid can do it if he practices for half an yeah, hour. Yeah, yeah, right? it's not. It's not. Secondly, the, you screw up the pass after. It has to have a purpose. Yeah. Again, learn from Big Brother. We mentioned earlier. Learn from Neymar. Yeah, that's right. Milan lose away to Torino and fall to third in Serie A. Gab, what went wrong? Pretty much everything. Just about everything. Just some horrendous defending. Yeah. They did the thing. You know, for both goals or two 0 down, they were lucky because their goal should have should have never stood. Um, it was the, not the strongest push though. Well, you, you, you just can't you put your sure. hands all over somebody shoving to the ground. Come on, man. Um, and 
the old trick that they did when they oh look look at this send on four different attacking players in the second half uh-uh, didn't work either especially one of them coming on his shoulder Ketelar who's having yeah. a tough tough time right now yeah. look they're thinking ahead to the Champions League and rightly so Jules Union Berlin continue to troll you Aye. still against all odds they're top of the table in the Bundesliga even though took a comeback at home to Borussia Mönchengladbach and what else a 97th minute winner to get the points to keep them ahead Incredible end of the game. Uh, they've, they've done this before. They just, they're tired. They look tired. They're clearly on the edge. They have a small squad and yet they keep winning. It's they are incredible. Destiny's team. Yeah. Inter make it four in a row with a 3-0 win over Sampdoria as Nicolo Barella and Joaquim Correa score some gorgeous goals. Gab, happy times. And then they're playing Juve. It's the derby in Italia at the weekend. They're hitting their stride at the right time. Yes. In between, they're playing some team from Bavaria. I hope they play yeah. the C team because it doesn't matter because they're not going to win the group and they're already through. Um, but no, Nicolo Barella is on fire. He's cut out all those stupid bookings which got him in trouble before. Correa showed glimpses of Correa's what he does goals. once in a while. Not, yeah. not often enough to start. And Lukaku, ready to start. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Newcastle destroy Aston Villa 4-0 and stay in the top four. Jules Unai Emery doesn't take over until Tuesday. <laughs> he would not have liked this and... Eddie Howe continues to to smile that little smile of his. Yeah, yeah, and they played great. I mean, they were on the front foot straight away. Even if it, they took it took them a while to score the first goal, but after that, it was just they destroyed them. They were too good. I mean, Aston Villa, you win four 0 against Brentford, and you lose you lose four 0 at Newcastle. It's just it's not looking good. They, they didn't have much in that game at all. And for Newcastle, well, there will be tougher games, of course, and we saw the one at Old Trafford, for example, and all of that. But right now, you you wave that right big time. You ride that wave big time. Do you think they somehow mess with Almiron's brain to make him think that he was still at Atlanta United? I don't know, but I think Jack <laughs> Grealish, maybe like all the Jack Grealish, all the trolling from Jack Grealish and everybody else. Um, because he's back to that kind of level, you're yeah. right. But to do it in, no offense to MLS, but to do it in the Premier League. Slightly higher yeah. level. Crazy stuff from Juve, God, because Max Allegri starts two teenagers, Miretti and Sule, and a 21 year old, Nicolo Fagioli, comes off the bench to score the winner. On an assist by another teenager, Ealing Jr., for Juve against Lecce. Are they finally trusting the kids, or this was just a one-off? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he's resting people for the Champions League so that you know, they can be sure, be sure of not screwing up League. so they can get in the Europa League. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I never thought I'd seen this. But he's right to play this. Mineti has shown yeah. that he's really, really good. He should be yeah. starting yeah, at Juve. And this obsession. I mean, I go back to this. I don't want to pick on your boy, Angel Di Maria, right? But this guy looks to people as if he's absolutely dogging it because there's a World Cup coming up, yeah. right? And you should have known when he says, oh, no, I don't want to sign a two-year deal. I only want a one-year deal, you know, like, because I'm yeah. just here to pick up another pay. Like, honestly, like, it's just not a good look. Uh, by the way, Nicola Fagioli, phenomenal goal. Del Piero-esque, not as good as Del Piero's goal. No, but but um, somebody made a really good point about trusting youngsters, right? Fajoli's a guy who comes come through the youth system at Juve, made his debut a couple of years ago. Last season, he was on loan at Cremonese, started the whole season in Serie B. Up, yeah. They went up. 
And this year, Allegri's like, oh, no, there's, remember he gave his famous category seats? Yeah, oh, there's yeah. gangsters, there's superstars, there's megastars, there's decent players, there's squad players, blah, blah, blah. Which is like a way of saying, oh, Fagioli, me like to get these kids out of here. Well, Nicolo Fagioli is the same age, he was born the same day as Kvica Kvaratskhelia. Kvaratskhelia came from the Dinamo Batumi in the yeah. Georgian League. Yeah. I'm going to assume the Georgian League is not that much better than Serie B. So if you know, so I know, but this tells me that if Kvaratskhelia had signed for Juve, we'd never see the guy. We'd see him about as often as we see Fajoli, yeah. whose name, by the way, means beans. Yeah, beans. Wild ending for Atletico Madrid away to Cadiz says they lose 3-2 Jules I never thought I'd see Atletico lose a game in these circumstances give with a counter-attack giving up a counter-attack in like the, the, the 97 minute. incredible stuff when you think as well that in midweek they obviously lost to right. they drew with Bayer Leverkusen but they but could have like a loss yeah they, they missed a penalty and the rebound and the rebound again to win the game and still have hope to continue in the Champions League that this time happened against Cadiz in a game that they should have never and this is not a game that you should lose, really, when you've got, when you're Atletico Madrid and we've, you've got aspirations to finish top three, top two, maybe winning the league as well. It shows how, how not good they are. Low right. of confidence, Joe Felix came on, finally, eventually, but still for not a long time. But did really well. See, this, really is, this, is, this was a good job. Look, I don't have to criticize Joe Felix. I can praise. This was good job, Felix. Right? Very good job, Felix. The second goal was great. The first one, the overhead kick, forced the own goal. That's, that's what you it's want, good, right? It's good, but I... I Cannot believe we haven't seen more of him in the last few weeks because he's not, he's not been good. His attitude's No, I know, but if you don't play him, he can't be good either. You know, this is someone we've said if it many times. You don't play him, you play your boy Griezmann. He's, Griezmann's in I would play Joao Felix and Griezmann. And Morata, by the way, got injured, which yeah. is the, also the bad news Concern of the weekend. Concerned for Spain, too. Yeah, big worry for them, but incredible end. I mean, I think El Cholo just wanted that week to end. Really? And then start over again on Monday? But I'm but not you, sure this week coming would be much better. You know, we joke about Atleti are like the super villains who always yeah. get the good luck. Talk about bad luck oh, in that game. God. And also, we didn't mention this, the guy from Cadiz who scored the winner, yeah. the ball comes in off his stomach. Yeah. Like, if he had a differently shaped six-pack, he would not have gone in. <laughs> That's true. Borussia Dortmund win away to Andrei Frankfurt 2-1. But Gab, how about referee Sasha Stegemans saying after the game that he made a mistake in not giving a penalty when Karim Adeyemi shoved Jesper Lindstrom. It's not the first time we saw in, in Germany Referees come on television or on record to say like, yeah, this is this is the mistake I made uh, and I should have done it differently. Blah blah blah. It's good. What are you saying that the referees in Germany are grown-ups? Yeah, in France as well. Um, by the way, the weekend we had a, a referee having an interview saying like, I made a mistake in my last game. Uh, Look, this was a big mistake because Borussia Dortmund played really badly in yeah. this game. For once, you know, Borussia Dortmund have been unlucky many times in the past. This time they were super, super lucky. If I was an Eintracht fan, I'd be angry. What was interesting about Stegemann here, I mean, so the incident is, I mean, you can watch it on YouTube, is Adi Amy basically pushing uh, Jesper Lindstrom, like a, right? Yeah, like a He push. saw it, and in real time to the referee, it seemed like a coming together, as they like to say here. And if you watch on the video, there's guys got two Clearly, hands on two hands, him, right? Yeah. So he said, well, VAR, yes, didn't, since I'd seen it, VAR decided it wasn't a clear and obvious error. I'm in two minds about this. I don't want VAR to re-referee. But I think one of the things you as VR should do is you should know your referee well enough and, sits, and you should know that if Stegeman sees this again, is he going to give the penalty? Yeah. If I'm reasonably confident that he will give the penalty and change the outcome of this game if he sees it again, you should have him do the on-field review. I know. Right? They, I, this whole idea that like, oh, no, VR only intervenes if it's a clear and obvious er error. I know why that's in the rules. But if you know that he's going to do this, I, I don't know. I appreciate his honesty. 
But if I'm an Eintracht fan, I'm I'm pretty angry right now. Yeah. Kevin Gamero, who's 35 Ooh, now. Paris How time flies. Yeah. Uh, former Paris Saint-Germain legend. Yeah, yeah. And Atletico Madrid and Sevilla and many others. Scores an injury time equalizer for Strasbourg against Marseille. Jules, the 2-2 draw means OM have won just once in the league since early September. Yeah. Are they getting tired of my shouty buddy Igor Tudor sedan? Well, there start to be a lot of tensions, Gab. We saw a fan like, sort of abusing Tudor, who was on the pitch post-match doing his flash interview. Uh, there's, I think, a bit of unrest within the dressing room. By the way, Tudor is the kind of guy you want to abuse from a safe distance. Yeah, although I think man. that fans was ready. I mean, he almost had a fight with the like security guy at Marseille. Uh, so it was just, it, but it shows the tension. I think it shows the bad atmosphere. The game on Tuesday against Spurs is huge because you win, you go through to the last 16 of the Champions League, which would be massive for Tudor and for the team. At the Velodrome as well, you don't win and you are. And I think if you are of the Champions League after this really bad spell in Ligue 1, it would look really bad for him. And I think it would be more unrest, more tensions, more booze, all of that. So this is a huge game on Tuesday. They had a really good first half. They could have been 3 0 up at half time. They were 2 0 up at half time. But it's not enough. In the end, they defend so badly in second half that they've done it the last six weeks or so. It's terrible. It's terrible. Back to Inter, Gab. There were weird scenes at San Siro at half time when the Ultras appeared to forcibly evacuate everyone in the section of the stands. I mean, one of the couple. Yeah, so this is, this is, a, I think, an opportunity for Inter to do, and I'm going to be fair to Juve, to do what Juve did and put some distance between themselves and the ultras. Yeah. Um, so this, what happened here was, this is one, you know, San Cito has three rings. This is one end, and it's a second ring of one end where, where, where the, the ultras, the more passionate fans, uh, sit. One of their leaders happened like an hour before a kickoff. By the way, this guy was 69 years old. Yeah. So this guy had been around the block. He's also a bit of an underworld figure. Yeah. He'd spent, I think, more than 15 years in prison at various times for various things. Had another trial pending over him. It's not clear what happened. There was a shootout, and he was killed. So the ultra said, oh, we've lost one of our own. Everybody has to, has to be sad. So not only did they not sing, um, but when they got confirmation that he had passed, uh, which was around halftime, they said, okay, everybody out of this section, everybody out of this section, it's our way of honoring him. And there's people in that section who might be ultras who never knew him or didn't care about yeah, him. Yeah. There might be people there who just say, I want to buy a seat in that section. No, no, no. They forced all these people out. I think, and this was a really bad screw-up from Inter Milan and for the police. Yeah. They didn't realize what was going on. So when people say, can I go sit somewhere else away from these maniacs? Um, they're like, no, 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 your ticket's for that section. Sorry, if you leave the section, you're leaving the stadium, you're going home. It's terrible PR. Yeah. Um, like what the ultras do it's is crazy important. stuff. You don't need to behave like this. You don't need to start. The minute you start, you, your actions negatively affect other fans of your own team. Um, you need to ask yourself, I'm doing something wrong here. Yeah. There's so many other ways they can, do, they, they can honor this guy's death. And by the way, we can have a debate about whether this is somebody whose death ought to be honored. Yeah, yeah. Bayer Leverkusen lose away to Leipzig 2-0. Jules, both clubs changed managers this season. The difference is Marco Rosa is undefeated in nine and has beaten Real Madrid. Whereas Xabi Alonso, after winning on his debut against Schalke 4-0, but hey, Schalke, right? Yeah, Schalke. Um, has taken just two points from his last five and is in the bottom three. Yeah, it's, I thought it was worrying, the difference between the two teams. 
And I guess you talk about Marco Rosa being undefeated. It's not the same experience either between Rosa and, and Xabi Alonso, who've been saying might become a great manager and certainly has a great mind and worked under great managers. But this is all new to him. He's only been in charge for like what, seven games or something in all competition or eight games. Uh, this is... I, I just thought Leipzig were too good and Kunku, I love what Rosa has done with Soboslai, who's back to his best. Uh, and for Xabi Alonso, I think it's roaring because I don't, I don't see any... Yeah. You, you can lose, but play better or progress or you see a progression or you see something. We keep watching them in the Champions League, in the league, and there's just nothing yet. They escaped Atletico Madrid and now they've got, you know, obviously a big game coming up uh, in midweek. To, to stay in Europe, but I'm just like... It, it's really difficult, I think, for an inexperienced manager to take over without preseason, to take over a team that... Especially if when you've never managed. When, Apart from, well, like, Real Sociedad beating... Yeah, but that is, it doesn't count. It's a completely different experience. It's a completely different experience, and... Yeah, and look, to be fair to Leverkusen, they saw, okay, we said goodbye to Rico Suave, so... Yeah. You know, how bad can it be? Xabi Alonso will be mid-table, rebuilding, and then next season we go again. Yeah, yeah I think that's the but idea. But now they're stuck. They're, 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 they there's only two careful. teams below them in the table. Yeah. Atalanta win away to Empoli 2-0 and move into second place. Gab, they're not going away, that's for sure. And Ozyman isn't the only Nigerian shining right now in Serie A. What about Ademola Lukman? <laughs> He's been fantastic. Uh, scored a great goal. Yeah, again. Gives them something very different in terms of drive, in terms of quickness. Uh, Atlanta, I think, quite fortunate with the other goal, which was rather dubious penalty. Um, but, uh, but no, he's given them another dimension. Like we said, they're playing different. They still really? have a lot of injured guys yeah. to come back. Um, and they're putting all these points away. When the injured guys come back, these guys could hang around in the top four, much as it would annoy some people. Yeah, yeah. But Gasparini's and, still around. And next week is Atalanta and Napoli. Woo! How about that? Your boy, Alexandre Lacazette, scores the only goal as Laurent Blanc's Lyon beat Paolo Fonseca's Lille. Yeah, 1 0. I'm, I'm very happy for Lacazette and for Larry White, of course. I'm, it's not deserved. Lille played so well. They were the better team for most of that game. Lyon basically had one chance in, in that second half, 15 minutes from time, that like, Tagliafico's cross, Lacazette sort of tap in. Um, but before that, Leland, Jonathan David was so, so good. And Fonseca was right at the end. He said, this is like really frustrating. His little chip when he hit the crossbar. Oh, like, my oh. God. And they were lucky. And Lopez had a really good game in goal for Lyon. But, but Fonseca said after the game, this is so frustrating for us. But if we keep playing like this, we're going to score many more goals and we're going to win many more matches. And he's right. Sometimes you just leave aside the score and look at the performance. And it was really good from Lille. They were just a bit on. on, on unfortunate on the day and for Lyon it's a good win but it's not a win that solves much Blanc had to change at halftime the whole formation the whole system uh, but you get those three points and again you move on quickly Brentford and Wolves roll 1-1 but Gab let's talk about Diego Costa and his headbutt on Ben Mee at the very end and the red card before we do that can we talk about Ben Mee's goal oh wow he's yeah, the most improbable guy like you would have never believed Incredible. me that Ben Mee could do that no right? definitely not you realise just not. how good even kind of like the rough and tumble hard British centre backs are like they, they can they can they can pull this off right yeah definitely. I mean I don't know if James Tarkovsky can do this but we found out maybe he can ben, maybe we he can Ben Mee can do this maybe so this is at the end this is so Diego Costa right because God. they're kind of like wrapped up because this is just just after Wolves had, had equalised to Ruben Neves they're kind of ramped up at the edge of the box and it's almost like Diego Costa forgets by the way this is a very slim Diego Costa relative yeah, to the yeah, he looks from before, right? I mean he's still 
Something's cool, but it looks like he's got him like around his neck yeah. and he uses his neck to like <laughs> smash his head into it. Which is scary. It is scary. Also, Ben Me goes down and stays down and doesn't move. And that was pretty scary too. Yeah. I you know, Diego, there's VAR. You're not gonna get away with it. It's a wrong thing to do. I, know. I, I I hope actually he gets more than three games because he definitely deserves yeah, more yeah, than that three was games or something one. like that. That was a bad one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jules, we don't often talk about the lower leagues, but I feel like we have to, given the wild finish in League One when Charlton Athletic hosted Ipswich Town. Yeah, incredible, Gav. I mean, to be fair, I didn't, didn't watch the game. That one oh, funny I saw that, after. Yeah. No, no, but it's 2-2 uh, on the 90th minute. You think, okay, this is a draw. It's been a good game already. Uh, and you think, okay, this, this will be it. But no, because in the 91st minute, Ladapo scored for Ipswich away at Charlton. So you think, wow, great win away. Uh, Ipswich, you know, they're going to go and get the three points. And then, three minutes later, 94th, they scored the fourth goal. So they're 4-2 up. Now, in the 94th minute, Morsey with, a, with their fourth goal, you say, okay, 4-2 up in the 94th minute. This is it. The game is over. Well, it wasn't because Thomas in the 96th minute scored for Charlton and then the start explodes and you think, maybe, maybe the unthinkable <laughs> is possible now. And then, George Dobson in the 99th minute scored the equaliser to finish 4-4. We had four goals between the 91st and 99th minute. Incredible scenes at, at the Valley. It was just well, one of those it, games, you know, that we, people who were there uh, will never, ever forget. Imagine the guys who, like, walked out at minute 90 at 2-2 to, to, to beat to the traffic, train. you know? <laughs> to beat the traffic. Get it. Back to Arsenal, Gab. There was a tribute to Pablo Mari, currently on loan at Monza after he was stabbed in a horrific attack in a supermarket near Milan on Saturday. Yeah, this was uh, this is absolutely terrible. Um, uh, Pablo Mari is recovering in the hospital. That's the most important thing. He's it, okay, was, yeah. it was a supermarket. It was a Carrefour, actually, yeah. at a shopping center that I've been to uh, in Milano Fiori, on sort of the suburb of, of, of Milan. Um, it was a man who's mentally disturbed, um, who goes into the Carrefour, goes to the knife section where they where they sell kitchen knives, yeah. takes a kitchen knife and just starts uh, stabbing people. I think he, he stabbed five different individuals, including Pablo Mari, who was there with his kid. He stabbed him in the back. Um, and apparently one of the things that, according to the police report, was the fact that Pablo Mari is a professional athlete and has a muscular back, prevented the blade from going even deeper. Really? Um, he ended up stabbing and, and he killed, um, I think it's a security guard or, or, or a cashier who, who later died from his wounds. He was apprehended with uh, the help of, really, people are going to think that yeah. it's footballers and ex-footballers, oh, ex-footballers in supermarkets yeah. in Italy, but yeah, with a guy named uh, uh, Tarantino, who's a former defender for Napoli and, and Inter, who lives in Milan. He helped uh, uh, subdue him. Um, it's just terrible. And, you know, Whatever your views on this, you know, it's a kitchen knife. I know. You realize that people who, who are disturbed need help. Um, this guy apparently, he'd been in and out of treatment for different things, wasn't given his medication. Pablo Mari 
was in the wrong place at the wrong time, but it looks like he's going to make yeah. early on. He's going to make a full yeah, recovery, yeah. and it was really nice to see that that, that tribute from the Arsenal players holding up Pablo mm. Mari's shirt. Jules, you follow MLS more than I do. Yeah. Um, we now have our finalists: yes. LAFC beating Austin three 0 and the Philadelphia yeah, Union Duke, Duke coming from behind to knock off New York City FC. Yeah. I mean, first LAFC after you know only been in the league. This is the fifth season to reach the final. Carlos Vela, of course. No Gareth Bale was injured, but Jojo Fellini <laughs> was, yeah. was, was there, and my boy Denis Buonga, of course, the former Saint Etienne legend who is having a hell of a time in MLS. Well done to them. And then, I mean, what's going on with sports in, in Philly? I mean, not so much basketball, but obviously the Eagles 7-0, as, as you keep yes. reminding me. The Phillies in baseball are in the World Series. 1-1, we played yeah, the Astros again too. Astros, the Astros. The, the cheating Astros. And now you will have the Union, uh, who we wore T-shirts and shirts earlier yeah. this season. So I think we brought you luck. We brought you a lot of luck, Union and Union fans, in, in the final as well against LAFC. So that's great. I hope the Sixers can do something in the NBA this season, although it doesn't really look that, <laughs> that way. But, well, yeah, no, I'm not a big yeah. uh, James Harden exactly. guy myself. But how about also the man, Blake, uh, the, the, the keeper for yeah. Jamaican. Um, if Alexis Nunez were here, she would say, only Jesus only saved Jesus. more. Exactly. L'Equipe are reporting, Gav, that Paris Saint-Germain will report losses of 350 million euros in the 21-22 season. That's a world record, of course. And how are they going to satisfy the financial fair play requirements? I have no idea how you can possibly do this. I mean, I think they're going to argue that this big sponsorship deal we have with Qatar is legit and it's fair market yeah. value and UEFA is going to say no and they're going to argue. Uh, there's a credibility. This is the last year of the current version of financial yeah. fair play rules um, for next season. The, it's called the called financial sustainability thing. There's going to be different wrinkles to it. In the end, though, it's all going to come down to primarily revenue, mm -hmm. uh, and if you get revenue from sponsorships that are related to you, and this isn't just Paris Saint-Germain, it also applies, of course, to, uh, to, to Manchester City, um, you have to argue that your, the amount you're getting is fair market value, and if UEFA yeah. can prove that it's not, I, I think there has to be some credibility going on. Otherwise, we're still going to be at the same place yeah. where we're going to have That's one true. side saying, you know, you guys are all cheating. The other side like, no, 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 you're all afraid of us because we're new money and you're racist and whatever, and we're not going to get anywhere. I, I don't know how you thread the needle on this one. I, I really yeah, don't. Yeah, no, I mean, it's the Mbappe contract. I think no, more, no, this is well, not this included is in this. 21, 22, yeah, which it's not the Mbappe contract. This is the contract, old Mbappe contract. Yeah, I don't know. I think they... they Strategies to come clean, and I think every six months they'll, they'll meet with UFR people and say, like, Look, this is where we are, this is what we're doing, it's, we're it's trying still to the do the same thing. We still yeah. have this, you know, and, and it's so big now, like, you know, they, they have the deal with Accor uh, Hotels, right? Yeah, Which yeah, is yeah. French hotel sharing, the, you, you might know Sofitel, Novotel. Um, I like staying in Novotel because they used to give you little stuffed animals, which my kids love when they were little. Um, but who owns a big chunk of Accor? Qatar. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you're kind of back at the same I know, starting I know. point. I know. They are indeed. <laughs> uh, the Athletic, uh, David Ornstein, reporting today that uh, talks are intensifying between Inter-Miami and Lionel Messi. Obviously, Jorge Mas there, big fan of Lionel Messi. Yeah. Uh, big fan of Argentines in general. Of course, he had Higuain, too. Uh, they're looking at the possibility of Messi jumping ship. 
when his contract yeah. expires with Paris Saint-Germain in June yeah, in to summer, join yeah. Inter Miami. Yeah, which we knew, again, there was nothing we learned from that because we knew that Inter were very keen and they're going to push and going to try like Barcelona are going to try. And like PSG are still hoping to keep him for maybe another year after this one, maybe even two, uh, seeing how happy he is currently and how well he's playing. Um, I don't think there's any talks right now happening between the Messi family and any clubs because Messi has said, I don't want any talks before the World Cup anyway. There's no reason to talk. There's no reason why he's got plenty of time, turn the new, come the new year to then see what his best options are. We know that Inter Miami are a possibility, especially if they sign Sergio Busquets, one of Messi's closest friends, or maybe even Luis Suarez. Uh, we know that he's got a place in Miami that he bought a long time ago, that he likes the place, of course, and that MLS, he said it before, would be a league that he would want to play in one day. But PSG right now telling us that they're also quite optimistic. The feeling that they have with him that he might want to stay another year and if, try again to win the Champions League, for example. So If he keeps playing at this level, he can definitely of do course, it. Of course. So we'll have to see. And talking about Luis Suarez and, and Messi's friend, Suarez won another title, Gab, in his career and this time with Nacional, who became it. the Uruguayan champions. For the 49th time, I believe. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many Peñaroles won. I, I feels like the other 50 maybe <laughs> I know football's been around for a long time in Argentina it doesn't feel like anybody else ever wins um, but no look he went there I think he's psyched that he went there he wanted to be fit for the World Cup he got to win another trophy yeah. well done Nacional Shout out to Flamengo and Gabriel Ooh. Barbosa, a.k.a. Gabi Gol, former yeah. Interstar, who won the Copa Libertadores, beating Atletico Paranaense in the final 1-0. Jules, how happy are you for our old friends, and I do mean old, old. friends with a combined age of 72, David Luiz and Felipe Luiz. Really happy, really happy. It's a great win. It's the second Libertadores in the last four years, by the way. Show how dominant they've been, how good they've been. This kind of policy of bringing back from Europe... Uh, you know, Brazilian players or you know, or, or South American stars really is, is, is paying off. They've got money, they've got that kind of talent. They've and they have the George and Arrascaeta. I thought of he'd course. be your kind of player. Of course. So it's working well for them. Well done. And again, the Brazilian dominance with two Brazilian clubs in the final again. And North. by the way, the other one, Le Paranense, coached by Felipe Scolari, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's a bucket of laughs. Nos, the Dutch national broadcaster, is reporting that Qatar will pay to fly 50 Dutch fans to travel to the World Cup and put them in hotels, Gab. In exchange, they expected those fans to make positive posts on social media. You okay with this? So basically, all the influencers in Holland, you bring them over and they can tell, you, tell, tell their community how great Qatar is. Okay, so first of all, I'm very glad that you specified that in this case, NOS refers to the Dutch national broadcaster and not the super fuel they used in Fast and Furious. And <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been maybe weird. they all got high off the fumes um, <laughs> of that. No, um, it's funny. So I don't have a problem with, in fact, years ago, I ran into somebody after the award of the World Cup. I said, you know, I, I was talking to, to, to somebody who was involved with it, and he's like, oh, you know, we might do this. We might, you know, 550 super fans, especially from some of the poorer countries, because we know it's expensive once you get here. It's difficult to get here. Okay, Holland is obviously not one of the poorer Poor countries. countries. No. Um, it's a bit cheesy. I think if these guys really are influencers and they're ditch, I, I don't know how much you've been around Dutch people. They tend to do what they want, right? Yeah. They do like saving money, but you know, if you fly 50 people over and say, hey, look, experience the World Cup, um, 
and just tell us what you see, tell us what you think. But right? do you think they're going That's to do that with other do. countries? Well, because why? Just the Netherlands. Well, this is the thing. If you do it with other countries, I think it makes sense, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's not going to cost you that much money in the broader scheme of how many billions have been spent on this World Cup. Sure. Um, I don't know if they'll get them tickets. I think my understanding is they still have to apply for tickets on their own. But that's not such a big deal because the cheapest tickets, I think, relatively, I think they're about $70, 70 yeah. euros, or something like that. Um, if you present it like this, oh, look, we'll send, you know, we'll, we'll fly you over for a month, but you only have to say nice things about it. I mean, what are they gonna do? How are they going to judge? I don't, I don't have so much of an issue yeah. um, as, as some people do with this. Jules, this brings us to an end. Ah, yeah. But we got to come back on Thursday because it is match day six of the Champions. <laughs> Some big verdicts coming up. Uh, until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage, to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash gabjewels now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels.